0: Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking about design in Japan, and it's going to be good. Because Japanese design is a topic that people have a lot of strong opinions about. From the subtlety and nuance you see in the very best of Japanese anime, to the visual horrors of Japanese corporate PowerPoint presentations. The topic covers both the wonderful and the terrible. And so, to dance us through this minefield is Naootsuchiya of Goodpatch. Now Goodpatch is one of Japan's fastest growing and most highly valued design startups. We'll talk about Japanese design not only as it exists today, but why we might see a global convergence of design style and UI sensibilities in the coming decades. And even if it's inevitable, it'll be sad to see the current global diversity disappear. Oh, and though we don't talk about it during the interview, I first ran across now a while back when I recommended Goodpatch to one of my larger consulting clients. Before providing an estimate, or drilling down into the requirements, Goodpatch sent back a detailed questionnaire asking this enterprise about their dreams for the project and who their ideal users were and how they normally communicated with them. Now these are great, in fact, even common sense questions for designing a user experience. And they show that the designers really do care about what they're building over at Goodpatch. But the enterprise employees running this project simply did not know how to deal with it. And rather than trying to answer the questions and challenge their own assumptions about the project, they went with a more traditional and more obedient vendor. And the final product was definitely the less because of that decision. I've been a fan of Goodpatch from the day I saw that corporate client questionnaire. But you know... Nao tells this story much better than I can. So let's hear from our sponsor and get right to the interview. Your journey to success in Japan will involve some twists and turns. In trying to navigate new terrain, planning the safest, most effective way through on your own can be overwhelming. The Carter Group have been using market intelligence and research to guide Japan entrance for decades, They've honed an agile, cost-effective, but consultative approach that will help you find the perfect product market fit, explore user and consumer dynamics, and act as an honest broker to let you know the reputation and track record of potential partners here in Japan. And when you're ready to go, their executive search team can also help you hire the right people to drive your business forward. So if you haven't got Japan completely figured out yet, the Carter Group can help you out. So I'm sitting here with Nao Tsuchiya of Goodpatch, one of Japan's fastest-growing digital design firms. Thank you. Now, normally, I avoid service companies because the demand for like uh, web and mobile app design, this demand rises and falls with venture investment. But Goodpatch is doing things a little bit differently you're actually creating your own products, Prat and Balto. Yeah. So, tell me a bit about those.
1: So, uh, so we uh, decided that so Balto will cross.
0: That's interesting. When did you decide that? When did you make that decision? Uh, so uh,
1: made a decision last month. Uh, the already uh, somebody released to the public yesterday. So, just announced. Yeah, yes.
0: Sorry about that. A little later on, let's talk about why you made that decision, and the, the challenge of product versus service, because uh-huh. okay. I think that's really important. So tell me about your customers. Who, who are your main customers right now?
1: Our customers are not related uh, the big or small. Mm. They want to make a meaningful product.
0: Mm. A meaningful product? so what's what is a meaningful product
1: so market needs and people need and they they also uh, want to uh, uh, impact for society
0: so not not just making money
1: yes not only they have to uh, be profitable uh, so of course mm. but uh, not only yeah.
0: it's it's interesting one of the companies that i I work with actually sent you um, A a request. They wanted to work with you. And what was interesting is you sent them back a very detailed list of questions.
1: Mm.
0: Not about their product, but like about their vision and and how they wanted to, to what their relationship was with their customers. And I've got to say, it sort of scared them off. They they didn't know how to answer it. So... So when you say companies that just want to make money versus having a, a vision for a better society, mm. let's dig into that. So what, is, what does that mean? Because I think most people, whether it's a company or an individual, mm. they think they have a vision. They believe they have a vision. Mm. So how do you tell the difference between a company that, that has a vision and wants to make money and a company that just wants to make money?
1: company uh, has a strong vision, so then they have the passion, strong passion. Uh, I I feel, uh, if I can feel uh, the passion that I want to work, uh, then.
0: Does that mean you're usually working with startups? My image of large Japanese companies isn't very passionate,
1: Mm.
0: but does that mean you're mostly working with startups, or do you work with big companies who have passion as well? The big company
1: uh, has the passionate people. I don't know the, a few people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so,
1: uh, so, uh, but uh, they have. Mm.
0: So sometimes you can find maybe like a passionate team inside a big company.
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. And uh, uh, we
0: send a message
1: at the full market.
0: Are you approaching people you want to work with or...
1: Here was a blog and uh, blog media. Yeah.
0: So, you attract people you want to work with?
1: Yes. Uh, we attract uh, kind of people we want to uh, work with.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Well, listen, before we talk more about kind of the good patch story and why you changed from product to pure service, I want to back up and talk a little about you. Hmm? You have a rather interesting history. So you left college for health reasons, and after you recovered, you went back to school, Mm. but decided to quit again. Mm. So why is that?
1: When uh, I was 21 years old, I had a very big uh, health emergency. Then I felt tomorrow cannot come.
0: So you just thought there, were, you were worried you were actually going to die, or you were just worried about your future in general?
1: So I actually was uh, worried about dying. I cannot arrive a wrong time. I felt that time.
0: Okay. Mm. So after you recovered and you... Went back to school for a brief period of time. You, you moved to Silicon Valley yeah. to, you know, as they say, follow your dream. But you moved to Silicon Valley to to learn. And uh, you even worked at, at B Tracks for a while. Mm-hmm. So, what did you learn in Silicon Valley? How to manage
1: multinational people and uh, how to work with people.
0: Why? Silicon Valley.
1: I thought I I have to go to see compare. It's uh, in the. The Godfield, right?
0: but at that time you didn't speak English at all. Yes. So, what did you learn there?
1: So it, so work environment are uh, different, and uh, people, multinational people. So Japan is only Japanese, and uh, I felt most uh, impressed things is weather. The yes, weather? Weather. <laughs> okay. So maybe, uh, so, uh, Silicon So, uh, so I, I was wondering uh, why talented people and uh, so smart people go to Silicon mm. uh, When I lived uh, in Japan, so I, I don't know what, uh, when uh, I went to, uh, I, Deep uh, Silicon Valley. I understand uh, just with so the clear sky, the blue sky, and the uh, uh, comfortable temperature. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so very very nice weather. Yeah. Uh, especially if you like fog in the summer times. Yeah. But you left and came back to Japan. And started your own company. Uh,
1: when I worked to uh, San Francisco, or uh, San Francisco is very popular uh, startups. Many startups uh, launched. Uh,
0: oh yeah, more in San Francisco than yeah. probably the rest of the world yes. put together.
1: Yes, uh, the 2011 the spring. For example, uh, Uber. That time uh, maybe Uber has only around ten people. Airbnb has only uh, thirty people. Right, right. Uh, Instagram, Instagram has only ten people.
0: Right. That that first generation of cloud-based startups was just getting started in two thousand eleven. Yes, very small start, but the uh,
1: fast growth. Yeah. The, uh, in the well, five years.
0: But in 2011, so Silicon Valley was, the, the startup boom was moving along fine, yes, it was growing. Yeah. But in 2011 in Japan, things were still pretty slow for startups. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was before the boom really started. So why come back to Japan and start a design company at that time? I impressed
1: Silicon Valley and San Francisco startups. uh, They uh, knew uh, the importance of design, the UX and uh, UI. So they put uh, so much effort. So uh, they were aware of uh, user-centered design.
0: Okay. Let's talk a bit about design in Japan. Mm -hmm. Because I I think the idea of user-centric design is... It is new in Japan. Mm. Design in the in the West and Japan is very different. Japanese design tends to be very crowded and yes. a lot of information dense. Uh, so, like a uh, uh, yeah. so, so, uh right, so, yeah, or rare. or Japanese PowerPoint presentations yes. are just <laughs> <laughs> very yeah. yes. so. My question is. Does that kind of design, does the crowded design, does it work better in Japan? Are these designs like A-B tested or mm. is it just convention?
1: Mm. In that time, people wanted a crowded design. But 2008, the Apple released an iPhone. Mm. Uh, the iPhone changed everything. So the interface, very simple. Japanese people bought iPhone, uh, many people.
0: That's, that is really interesting because I think iPhone is the most successful consumer device in history. Yes. I mean, Android, it's similar UX, UI. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that because of the iPhone that we're heading towards kind of a global UI standard?
1: Yes. iPhone changed the whole concept. Apple reinvented for yeah.
0: For example, yeah, new Japanese e-commerce sites, are they more likely to use the cleaner, Apple-inspired designs?
1: Maybe. For example, Zozo Town a uh, little bit uh, the clean. And uh, Rakuten, ra- the uh, website uh, is crowded, but the yes. uh, smartphone application is a
0: little bit clear. Interesting. Yeah. So there is a there is a change. Yeah. The powerpoints are still horrible. <laughs> I don't know. How. But it's it's it'd be nice if the online design is changing. Yeah. Do you think that is filtering into broader design sense in Japan? Is it changing graphic design and print design also? Mm, mm, uh,
1: I don't think uh, change changed the graphic and uh, uh, the print design.
0: So the impact so far has just been yes. online?
1: Yeah, online. Right. Uh, so especially smartphone.
0: Well, smartphone, it makes sense because you want to be consistent. Yes. Okay, well, let's, let's go back in time a bit. So when you were just starting out, mm. good patches first really... Big and successful client was um, Gunosi. Yes. And in another interview you did, you mentioned that because of your redesign, yes, it improved their user acquisition by fifty percent. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of design changes did you make to get a fifty percent increase in user acquisition?
1: The first design is uh, very uh, horrible. <laughs> Okay. So, whatever, uh, 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 they create a robot or they use PowerPoint.
0: Oh wow! <laughs> so they basically took the the horrible PowerPoint and put it on mobile. Yeah. Okay, that's that's horrible. <laughs>
1: so uh, it's student work, the Tokyo University student. I met the founder when I was uh, in. San Francisco, so the the friend, uh, I so when first time I uh, saw Gunosi, I want to redesign this.
0: <laughs> oh, so you you approached him and said, your site is really bad. Let me fix it for you.
1: Yes, yes. I felt Gunosi has a potential, but the uh, design could have been much better.
0: Let's use this as an example because. A lot of people talk about user-centered design, and I don't think many people really understand what it means. So in, in the GUNOSI example, where they had basically a PowerPoint on mobile, yeah. what did you change to make that user-centered?
1: GUNOSI is a very simple service. The user wants to read article. articles. Yeah, GUNOSI's UI should not interrupt the user's behavior.
0: The idea is allowing the user to get the information with as few clicks as possible or understanding the user's desire or motivation and the uh, Japanese media
1: all the media is crowded so Japanese media is crowded so unnecessary uh, information was there
0: so that crowded design again
1: yeah the go should be simple so there wasn't uh, the simple media in japan
0: You built your company off of that success and improved conversion rates and designs for many other companies. But let's get back to your products, because I think a lot of services companies, particularly software developers, want to make products. And it's a really hard thing to do. So let's let's walk through it step by step. So, why did you decide to start making the products instead of just services? When
1: I start up with branch, I I want to make own product.
0: Oh, so that was your goal from the San- beginning. Yes, yeah, Sunday. How early did you start work on the products?
1: After uh, two years I have passed.
0: Okay, and the two products, Prat and Blato, were tools to help. Other designers and to yes. get user feedback, right? Yes. Yeah. One of the most common problems that CEOs have when trying to create a product inside a, a services company is the conflict between your vision and your customer's vision. Uh, not conflict, the good watch vision, Proto and Bardo
1: vision and mission, very related.
0: As you were mentioning before, though, just yesterday, You announced that you were closing down the independent, the standalone products. So what happened?
1: We cannot grow the product.
0: So just not enough users?
1: Yes, user base, and I cannot sell the product.
0: It's very hard to do both services and product in the same company. Yeah. So from now on, are you going to focus strictly on services or do you have another product idea you're thinking about?
1: So then, yes, I want to develop new product.
0: Anything you want to talk about now, or is it still secret? Yes, um, secret. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> One thing that's very unusual in kind of Patches history is that you've been able to raise a lot of venture capital, both from uh, Digital Garage and uh, SMI and Sumitomo. Mm-hmm. Just this year, actually, invested quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And VCs usually don't invest in services companies. Yes. <laughs> are the VCs pushing you to do more products, or are they investing you in just services? Mm, both
1: VCs interested in Goodpatch because uh, Goodpatch has service and product very unique point.
0: Are they also uh, partners? Are they using your service? Or are they strictly focused on you as an investment?
1: They don't really use product. VC uh, is not designer.
0: Okay. <laughs> so are they, they're probably pushing you pretty hard to do another product. Uh, yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, though, you've been very aggressive internationally as well. You opened up an office in uh, in Berlin and Taipei as well, right? Yeah. Why Berlin and Taipei?
1: I had the ambition to open international offices four years ago. I used some product, the Wanderlist and the uh, Soundcloud, the Wanderlist and the Soundcloud in Berlin startup.
0: Right. So you were you were just attracted by the, the design sense. Yes. Of the startups coming out of Berlin. Yes, I was there earlier this year, and the startup community in Berlin it's it's small, but there's a lot of really interesting companies there.
1: Yes, well, one Germany student joined a good
0: bunch. Is the Berlin office a design team or mostly sales? Both. Okay, let's talk about kind of the future of design. I think it was really interesting, you talked about how the smartphone UI, UX sort of changed Japanese design. Mm. This interface changed the way everyone thought about UI and UX. But I think in the next 10 years, especially in Japan, there's going to be a real move towards the Internet of Things, yeah. and how is that going to change the way we interact with devices? Because we don't always want to be going to the smartphone.
1: Mm. Basically, things don't change. We focus user experience. We design the experience regardless of the devices. We focus on user experience.
0: But I've noticed there seems to be... When you look at Internet of Things and consumer hardware, there seems to be two different schools of design. So... A lot of Japanese, if you look at, for example, Panasonic or Sony, Mm. their devices tend to be more and more complex design. Mm. Display screens, more features, more functions. And the other school seems to be the device will have one button, Mm. and then the complicated things are managed on the smartphone. Do you see one of these two schools as winning or do you think that they'll keep going independently?
1: Depends on the context. Depends on the, what the users prefer.
0: So no, no definite trend, but very much sort of a case-by-case basis? Yes. yes. Do you have any advice for foreign companies coming into Japan? Do, should they rethink the way their websites are designed? Is there something they should be thinking about in terms of design?
1: So very, many foreign company failed in Japanese market.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> very So Japanese is a very unique market. One thing uh, is they should collaborate with the Japanese company. They need Japanese context.
0: So when you're saying collaborate, do you mean they should have a joint venture partner or just they should engage a Japanese design firm? Or what, what level do you think they should? Mm.
1: Join to Venture is very powerful, but uh, uh, the partnership with a uh, Japanese company.
0: Okay. Do you have the same advice for Japanese companies going to the US or to Europe? <laughs> should they try to partner? Or <laughs> should yeah. they redo their design? I cannot say. <laughs>
1: Uh, Very office is successful because the leader there is excellent
0: okay so you you were able to get to build the right team or the right person to build yes, the right team.
1: Build right team and the right
0: person before we wrap up i want to ask you what i call my magic wand question and that is if i gave you a magic wand and i told you that you could change one thing about japan Anything at all, the education system, the way people think about risk, the legal system, anything at all to make things better for startups in Japan. What would you change? Mm,
1: I want to change Education system.
0: The education system.: Yes. How would you change it?
1: More design. Uh, Japanese market lack of designer.
0: So, do you mean like design sense or more of a design thinking?
1: Yes, uh, design thinking approach. And uh, many designers cannot design experience, only graphic, and uh, they can uh, design graphic and uh, the print. The market needs more designer should design. Experience.
0: So I, I've taught design thinking, and I think one of the biggest challenges, or one of one of the biggest differences between design thinking and Japanese educational system, is that in design thinking there's no right answer, mm. and I, I find a lot of the Japanese education system is focused on giving the one right answer.
1: Mm. Does that make sense? Right. Uh, I think the problem is. Uh, And art university cannot run uh, the business. So future designers should have design and technology and business. Should have the three skills, the balance.
0: So is the problem that without those skills, they don't understand the user's needs?
1: It's not that. But discover user needs. They need a balanced knowledge of these three areas.
0: I see. So... The biggest change would be changing specifically how designers are taught design.
1: Uh, not only for designers, but fundamentally education, leadership uh, and programming or entrepreneurship can be taught to uh, everyone.
0: How early do you think people should be taught that? High school, elementary school?
1: The programming should be run elementary school. Well, uh, early phase.
0: So really early? Yeah. Recently, there has been some programs to introduce Japanese elementary school and, and junior high school to programming. Do you think this is a trend? Are we going to be seeing more of this in the future?
1: Uh, very continuously. Mm.
0: Okay, well, I, I I hope it does. Well, listen now, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And we're back. I love Nao's idea of wanting to do meaningful work and to work on meaningful projects. I think that's a sentiment that really everyone shares. We want to believe that what we are doing has an impact beyond just the work itself and just collecting a paycheck. In practice, however, it's a lot harder than it sounds. Goodpatch discovered this firsthand when they tried to transition from being a services company to a product company. It's one of those things that sounds easy and logical. We'll use the revenue from our clients to fund our dream, but it's insanely hard to do in practice. As a startup, you never have all the resources you need. You're always understaffed. And when you have clients who are paying the bills, the temptation is usually far too great to create a product that will make your existing customers happy rather than one that has forward thinking features and will bring on new users. The hound that chases two rabbits catches neither of them. And Goodpatch, quite sensibly, decided to shut down its products and maintain their services business. However, It's clear that Nao's heart, and perhaps more importantly, his investors' wallets, remain fixed firmly on creating a new product. And it does seem that one is already in the works. So all we can do at this point is sit back and see what Goodpatch comes up with next. If you've got a story about Japanese design, either the good, the bad, or the oh-so-very-ugly, Now and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show107 and let us know what you think. When you come to the site, you'll see all the resources and notes that Now and I talked about and much, much more in the resources section of the post. And hey, I know you've been meaning to do this for a while now, but when you get the chance, please leave us an honest review on iTunes. It's really the best way you can help us get the word out and support the show. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.